welcome to another episode of Inside the Industry. Today we're doing a, something a little bit different. We have been concentrating on cannabis and the cannabis industry, but of course there's another industry that's coming up right behind it, and that is the psychedelic uh, movement, if you will, soon to be industry. And Denver actually decriminalized psilocybin last year and um, Oakland followed suit with a few other plant-based medicine drugs. And now we have Oregon that has decriminalized all drugs. So it is with great pleasure, um, we have Damon Michaels on today from Midasin. And Damon comes from cannabis and now has, uh, still has his toe in cannabis, but also is moving on to the psychedelic world. Welcome, Damon. Hi, Jennifer. Thanks for having me. It's a true pleasure to be uh, speaking with you today and, you know, talking about the involvement of, of where I've come and, and uh, of course, where, where it's all heading. So first, tell us how you got into cannabis. Sure. Um, that's, that's definitely a fun journey in itself. Um, my background, I grew up in California, Southern California, and in 2008, I moved to Colorado. But before I moved to Colorado, um, I was really, you know, excited to, uh, you know, figure out where my path in life was going to lead to. I thought it was going to be in the music industry. At the time, uh, friends, um, some friends of mine started a dispensary in uh, the Valley, San Fernando Valley in California, that I was trying to help them manage as well. So I was, you know, doing a little work there while doing other stuff with, you know, artists and music promotions and management. So that was my first initial legal stint into the cannabis industry. And then after I moved to Colorado, of course, I left that. But as Colorado legislation evolved uh, with cannabis regulation and compliance, it only made more sense for me to kind of dip my toes back into it once that started to occur. And then through, through the, uh, I guess, hoops of the industry, if you will, I mean, once again, I, I started off, you know, with management and understanding what it took to be a bud tender. I understood, you know, what it took to be an indoor grower, an outdoor grower. You know, I did everything from, you know, all the basic work from trimming to transplanting or understanding what it took to go through the extractions phase of, uh, of the learning and, and, and education behind, you know, where, where cannabis goes once it's, once it's harvested. And then, of course, got behind that pretty heavily. But honestly, a lot of my knowledge and past experience in cannabis that took place over the course of, a, of more than a decade, um, a lot of it honestly went out the window once I stepped foot into Abu's lab in Evergreen, Colorado. And once I saw the true science that was being conducted with cannabis and where the future of cannabis was really heading, um, learning about things around cellular pharmacology, chromatography, clinical pharmacology, genetic, even utilizing the geneticist at Abu, you know, utilizing tools like CRISPR-Cas9 gene editing technology. Um, I knew that when I stepped foot into that lab that I wanted to do everything I could to be a part of it. And I couldn't be more grateful enough that, that John Cooper, the CEO of Abu, was able to take me under his wing, you know, as, as a leader, as a friend, and as a mentor to really uh, help me, you know, help evolve Abu to what it will you know, eventually became. I guess what, what Abu, you know, truly was, was, you know, the first company to build out the true science uh, behind cannabis uh, or the molecules of cannabis, the different cannabinoids and terpenoids and how they interact uh, independently or synergistically to create specific formulations that are designed to promote specific effects or wellness effects, um, whether it's chill, bliss, you know, focus uh, or a sleep aid or, you know, antidepressive product or, you know, anti-pain product. Uh, we were trying to figure out if we just used the natural compounds of cannabis, if we could actually design true drug 
uh, formulations or medicine formulations as a designer product for that, that we could either create our own products with or then license them out to other companies. We took that pivot to, you know, from designing and developing and producing our own retail products to then, you know, understanding that we have something incredible here with all the IP that we were filing, you know, over over the course of time. Uh, Abu filed over 48 U.S. and international patents. And those patents, they were very, uh, very unique, very novel, very uh, non-obvious, you know, which is what's important, you know, when you're going after a patent, you know, what what you can't find in Mother Nature, what's non-obvious and, you know, what's developed, you know, within you know, your own um, environment, uh, if you will. And our environment was, of course, at Abu utilizing these different sciences that were married together to ultimately create those formulations. And of course, pairing that with unique delivery mechanisms. And none of that would have been, you know, developed if it wasn't for the, the incredible brands or super brands, if you call them from the scientists at Abu. I mean, guys like Dr. Brian Reed, Dr. John Martin, Rob Roscoe, uh, Kurt Levy, Dr. Martin Emmark and Isidro and even Dr. Andrew Shadain, you know, all these all these guys came together underneath Abu's roof and really promoted what we what what ultimately became possible. And so as we started to develop that once again, we we turned it into a licensing model where we wanted to become the intel inside, if you will, of the cannabis industry, where we take the IP, the unique formulations that we have, and then license them out to other companies. And we were having big boardroom meeting discussions with big pharma companies, big beverage companies, you know, whether it was, you know, big soda or energy drinks or whatever, you you know, have you and so forth. And all these amazing companies, you know, really looked at Abu as, as their guiding light to, to take the initial leap into the cannabis uh, world and start creating their own products. Well, ultimately, those licensing deals turn into much bigger deals where instead of just licensing our IP, why don't we just acquire all of your assets? And that ultimately led to uh, a bidding war, which uh, Canopy Growth ultimately obtained. Uh, all of Abu's assets in the company back in November of 2018 uh, for 429 million or 330 million USD, and that's uh, that was that was the end of that journey. Wow, that's incredible! I love hearing good stories like that where somebody didn't lose a company; they actually got paid for a company, which is wonderful. I mean, I remember you guys had I feel like 25 PhDs at one time. Um, it's or something crazy like that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it all stems from the staff. I mean, a good company is only supported by, by its team. And John did an incredibly good job of putting together the best team possible. And, and ultimately, you know, we were, you know, true trailblazers, if you will, real pioneers. And, and you know, the angle that we took, you know, Robert Frost, you know, road less taken in the cannabis industry. And, you know, everybody was going after a diamond dozen approach, you know, opening up a retail facility, an extraction facility, a growth facility. But, you know, the fact that we were able to utilize the, the true science and develop the pharmacology of, of essentially roadmapping the entourage effect of cannabis to make it particular for, you know, unique medicines or personalized medicine, that allowed us to really, you know, just go after the goal. A lot of people supported us financially and, you know, the angel investors really helped keep the company alive. There were a lot of times that we didn't know if we were going to make it. And then we kept getting the support that we needed to, to, continue, to continue to push forward. And yeah, it was, it was great. But, uh, you know, like anything, a lot of people look at the end of the road, the success, but it was really all the hard work, the late nights, the, everything that took us to get there and the belief and the culture and, and the friendships that we made within the company to, that kept the, the bond and the morale very high at all times. That's interesting because, yeah, everybody was focused on edibles or cultivation or what can I make here? Instead, you guys were truly devoted to the science. And that's that's the hope, you know, when when the cannabis industry truly becomes a more sophisticated 
you know, I guess, or have sophisticated products behind it that really allow for true consistency, true predictability, uh, early onset uh, for the effects. Most products in the cannabis industry, it's really like a wild card. You don't know. Ultimately, you know, the, the properties of cannabis, you know, the consumption, it creates, you know, a major healing uh, value. But really, you know, when it comes down to the true chemical science of how they interact with different receptors in the mind and body, that's what really matters. And that's what we were, you know, setting the stage for. And I'm glad that other companies are starting to, you know, understand that, look at the major and the minor cannabinoids and how they play, you know, major functions within the overall formulation of one's product, whether that's a drink, you know, a, a food product, you know, with whatever it might be. I mean, at some point I could see cannabinoids being, you know, are being taken at from an intravenous level inside of hospitals um, yeah. at some point, you know, it's going to matter. Absolutely. Well then, so, Abu gets a nice exit, and you don't go to a private island. Or wait a second, you did go to an island, but just not private. <laughs> High hopes, right? I mean, I, I, I split my time between here, um, Florida, Colorado, um, a lot, but it's, it's great. I mean, right now, as I am down here in the Virgin Islands, I, I kind of call it, it was just incredibly you know, impeccable timing with COVID. I, I did not plan for that, obviously. But it, I, now that I'm down here, it's kind of like I'm social distancing from the U.S., which right now as of today, you know, November 19th, um, cases are spiking and yep. Denver shutting down tomorrow. I mean, full okay. lockdown. So, yeah, so it's, uh, it's, it's scary. You know, they're in level, level red. I think the next level above that, the final level is purple, uh, where they shut down hospitals. So it's they're at level red as of tomorrow, and and I I just pray for the best. All my friends, all my family that are back in the states, you know, there's there's a lot of hope, but who knows where this is really all going? You know, it's it's creating a lot of a lot of issues, especially mental health issues. And as we talk about what we're discussing today, um, that's our overall plan is to help on the back end, you know, with people that are that are trying to cope with you know any types of mental health disorders that uh, that they're that they might be facing, especially now with COVID. Absolutely, and that leads us right into it. So from cannabis to uh, psychedelics, psilocybin, psilocin. So let's talk about how that transition happened and what is Midasin. As I just mentioned, you know, all the incredible things that amounted to at Ebu, um, of course, that really set, set the stage for us personally as far as, you know, what we could really do next. Of course, we didn't want to go backwards. How do you go backwards from that? How do you go backwards from Ebu and, and the incredible success that we all had with that? So that was, a, that was a big challenge, you know, like, like any professional athlete, like once you win a world championship, once you win the Stanley Cup, once you win, you know, the World Surfing League, you know, world title, what do you do after that? And that was a big head scratcher. So right away, I started my own consulting firm for, you know, helping out uh, not so much the THC side, but more of the hemp side of the cannabis industry and looking at not only the active compounds, but all the other, you know, value uh, adds that hemp has, you know, whether it's fiber whether it's food, you know, whether it's uh, building materials. And I really started to dive in that, into that very heavily over the course of the year. Because once again, Abu's exit was November 18, and uh, Midasin didn't officially get started until March of this year, of 2020. Wow. So over that course, I was working with different companies around the globe. I was literally flying around the planet, going to Vancouver, to China, to Japan, to Australia, to Thailand, to Malta, and other parts of Europe trying to work with different companies on a global level to help them understand, you know, what they can do with the value of hemp. Wow. And uh, it's, it's incredibly remarkable. And that's why I still have, you know, one, one, you know, leg in that essentially, because uh, I know that there's a lot of value there. But, but ultimately, once we started Midasin, it's really taken over my life. And so I'll explain, you know, how we, how I essentially, yeah. you know, evolved into, into psychedelics and, 
And I wouldn't say I necessarily jumped or just pivoted into psychedelics, especially not for a trend purpose, you know, as you're seeing right away, just because it's evolving, especially with Oregon and everything. You're, you're seeing a lot of right away, as we all, we've always seen, you know, the THC side of the, in the industry, the CBD side, the hemp side, that there's a lot of fly-by-night or flash in the pan companies. We call them PowerPoint companies, where that's all they have is a PowerPoint without any real substance. And so, you know, I, I, I really uh, think that if you're going to jump into this, you know, do it headstrong, you know, put, put it, give it all you got, you know, if this is something that you want to make a career out of, then do it, you know, and don't just, you know, take something and make it a, a pump and dump situation. Cause what good comes out of that? Nothing. It just hurts the industry as a whole and it burns, you know, names and reputations. And that's, that's not, you know, why we're in this. This is obviously a major passion project that that's evolving into something great. And that's, and I'll talk about it a little bit you know, in depth as far as what Midasin is. So once again, our passion really lies with the exponential values of the unique values that, that fungi provides um, as nature source medicine and, or just as nature source medicine as a whole. You know, fungi is super vast. Obviously, can, cannabis or cannabinoids have incredible capabilities there. We know that there's a lot of other natu- nature source medicines or, or components out there that we have yet to even be discovered. But now that we've pivoted, you know, into the, into the fungi space, opened up a whole new world where uh, where psychedelics is just one aspect of it you know we're looking at mushrooms you know their functional capabilities you know there's a lot of people don't realize that there's a lot of gourmet mushrooms or edible mushrooms you could eat that have no psychedelic or psychotropic experiences at all it's, it's simply just overall medicinal or healing it could help with everything from regulating blood sugar to cholesterol to overall um, energy to to focus it's incredible so Similar to how THC is a psychoactive or psychotrophic compound found in cannabis, it has all these other minor cannabinoids that have no psychoactive effect or intoxicating effect, if you will, where it inebriates you. Um, I wouldn't say intoxicating, sorry, inebriating effect, but still it's, a, it's, it's the same thing with mushrooms. You know, mushrooms have that one component or, you know, multiple types of tryptamines, um, which could create, you know, a psychedelic or psychotrophic experience, um, such as uh, psilocybin or psilocin. Um, and there's others yet to be discovered that we're on the pathway to doing now. But like cannabis, there's a lot of other compounds that aren't, uh, that still add a lot of great value adds um, that, are, that are these incredible active compounds um, that we're starting to dive into too and then understand those formulations. So taking a similar approach to what we did at EBU and now kind of utilizing that same approach uh, in, in the world of science and the technology that we have today in, in 2020 and soon to be 21, uh, and pairing that technology with ancient culture um, medicine that, that's been around, you know, through East Asian cultures forever now. And now we're able to pair those two universes together and really create something profound that we're very excited about. That's incredible. So what I'm hearing from you is now you're going to, you know, start looking at psychedelics to uh, create products, if you will. And of course, this is medical right? I don't even know if recreational will, I mean, there's no recreational except for Jamaica, right? Correct. Well, I wouldn't even call it recreational. It's just, there's no legal, there's no laws around it or against it. Um, it's it's it, mushroom psychedelic or psilocybe mushrooms or fungi in Jamaica are looked at just the same as like a white button mushroom that you would, you know, eat on a pizza or put in a salad. So it's, it's, it's cool because, you know, you go down there and it, there's a lot of places that are starting to open up clinics, retreats in those environments, especially in Jamaica with that environment, the BVI, the British Virgin Islands, um, you're not allowed to produce them or sell them, but you're allowed to, to have possession and even, even consume them. They have these, you know, big full moon parties. So 
there, I mean, those are just two places in the world that, uh, that really have the legal acceptance for, for psychedelic fungi. Uh, everywhere else, yeah, it's, it's completely outlawed as, as a Schedule One uh, narcotic substance. Where it becomes really interesting, though, because once again, Midasin has no interest. Like you know, as as my background, you know, did with cannabis. Of course, there's a huge recreational aspect to it, but also a huge medicinal aspect. Not just medicinal cannabis, but actual true medicinal values in cannabis that we were trying to uncover. Where with with uh, psilocybin, are just these psychedelics that come from mushrooms, um, or the psychedelic tryptamines. They're a lot more radical than the, than the compounds from cannabis. And so for us, we have no interest in going into the adult use or the recreational market with these at all. Our focus really is in the therapeutic pharmaceutical uh, area. We're not trying to turn this into a big pharma, scary company you know, that, that people might think that we're going to head into. No, our job is to take, once again, something that's nature sourced and sort of start to evolve what we call you know, Western society medicine and allow products like psilocybin to be involved with that to really help with the true healing process that it has the capabilities for. Yeah, that's, I'm sorry, that's, I, I meant to say that, whereas, you know, cannabis became medical and quickly came recreational. I, I don't see that happening, especially in the United States. I mean, like you said, it's, it's more intricate, detailed, and, um, you know, frankly, just a completely different experience than than marijuana so truly we're creating medicinal products how are you doing this what what does the logistics look like sure sure so i'll, I'll back up just a little bit and explain okay. kind of why midasin you know was formed and where it came from so i mean just the name midasin you know it stems from mycology, mycology medicine mycology is a study of mushrooms or fungi so mycology medicine or even my medicine as we ultimately develop personalized nature source medicine for all you know, it all started with the concept when Rob Roscoe and myself, Rob Roscoe was the head of genetics at EBU. After Canopy um, acquired EBU, he went on to be the head of genetics at Canopy Growth. Well, February of this year, he left Canopy. So him and I got together again, which was great, you know, a comeback story, if you will. And we were able to start to, you know, evolve. Once again, where do we go from with, EB, where do we go, you know, now that we've accomplished what we did with EBU, where do we go from with, you know, there? And that's, that's where we start to evolve. Why don't we, you know, dive into the world of mushrooms or of fungi? You know, there's a, there's a vastness there and, and we could really, you know, go after it. And Rob, you know, right away had a lot of background knowledge as far as how to approach it. So we decided to, and we, we started taking those steps. And then af as we started to develop that concept, conversations started to take place with our other partner and co-founder, uh, Josh Barch. He had an incredible pub co named uh, uh, New Leaf. Uh, brands where we did an integration with them and, and we did an acquisition right away for Midasin was just an idea and we started the business and now it's, you know, it was acquired into a, a Pubco and from there we uh, started to evolve Midasin, you know, even farther. We, we did our initial raise. We were able to, you know, get the money we needed to, to go after the initial things and partners that we needed to, to build a foundation of the company. And then some of those things were uh, right away uh, acquiring companies uh, such as Neurofarm and MindLeap, which I'll touch on more in a moment. And then, you know, setting up the partnership with API Applied Pharmaceutical Innovations in Canada, which is hosted at the faculty uh, um, or hosted up in University of Alberta, uh, where they're a true pharmacology research center uh, for pharmaceutical drugs and medicine. Uh, so it gives us carte blanche access in a CGMP facility, you know, worth over a quarter billion dollars worth of equipment, let alone all the world-class researchers that are in that environment where we now have access to, to focus legally on uh, substances like psilocybin and psilocin, 
uh, for our own research and IP development as we as we move this forward. And so, you know, going from that to also having um, a mycology center that we just developed in Denver called MyCom, we have uh, we just we just built that out. So it's the first standalone mycology center, not attached to a you know a huge um, university or, or wherever else it might be in Denver. And we're going to be focusing on the functional aspects. So once again, a two-prong approach here. We're looking at the psychedelic side and we're looking at the functional side of mushrooms and, and ways that it could play into both, you know, mainstream consumer goods and also therapeutic controlled environments in a pharmaceutical setting. So you just said you set up a facility here. Clearly, it has to be other mushrooms then. I mean... Correct. Yeah. Correct. I mean, those other mushrooms, you know, psilocybe mushrooms are obviously the most of the ones that contain um, psilocybin or psychedelic compounds. The other mushrooms, like I was mentioning earlier, that have these functional capabilities are mushrooms such as reishi, uh, cordyceps, chaga, turkey tail, lion's just to name mane. some. That lion's mane is a huge one. Yeah. Um, and uh, we're looking at all the different active compounds, once again, that they provide and once again, how to create uh, uh, specific formulations for consistent and predictable use. Yeah, I take cordyceps and, and lion's mane. I do. Yeah, my protein shakes. But, I mean, it's really shining a light on mushrooms. You know, we think of, yeah, I like mushrooms on my pizza or my salad. But, you know, we really haven't thought too much about it. Um, you know, just demonizing the, the psychedelic mushroom, if you will. But how many species did you say, or you haven't said, how many species of mushrooms are there? There's no true number. There's thousands to millions of different types of species of mushrooms. I mean, the fun, the interesting thing is that a lot of people don't realize that I didn't really realize till recently um, over the past few years is that uh, this was a mushroom planet 650 million years ago. That's all that really existed as an organism on planet Earth was mushrooms, you know, nine, 10 foot tall mushrooms that were everywhere. That's evolved, and 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 now, of course, they're small, and, and but they help communicate, you know, all the different nutrients and, and signals and energy between plants. Um, mushrooms are their own kingdom, you know, the fungi kingdom. Um, they're not a, they're not a plant, you know, they're not a part of the of the flora kingdom. Uh, so it's uh it's it's pretty amazing how it it creates a symbiotic approach toward life in general. Mushrooms are, you know, there's so many values and and positive benefits that they provide. And we're just starting to tap into what those capabilities even are with the, with the initial research that we've taken at Midasin. So it's, it's, it's pretty profound what we're going to be able to uncover. We're really excited about it. In a lot of ways, there's, there's better capabilities than, that it has than cannabis. And, and in a lot, a lot of other ways, or a lot of other ways, there's uh, ways where it hybrids with cannabis or cannabinoids to even create super products that we eventually dive into down the road as well. Wow, that's pretty amazing. Um, and... You know, there's a show uh, called Fantastic Fungi, and I remember um, they were talking about a woman who had, I think, stage four breast cancer, and there was a specific mushroom that she started taking, which, um, from my understanding, actually helped medicine that she was taking. It's, uh, it's, I mean, if you're speaking of Paul Stamets' mother um, who, had, who had breast cancer, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty remarkable uh, what he was able to accomplish with, you know, the mycelium of lion's mane, uh, you know, attached to niacin and, and kind of basically his own concoction, if you will, that really helped 
his mother overcome and go into remission with, with the cancer that she was dealing with. I mean, it's, once that's just one of the aspects of what fungi can do it to help promote. Um, it's, it, I mean, that's, that's still anecdotal overall from a scientific standpoint or point of view. Uh, but we're, uh, we're uncovering all the vastness of what they can do. I mean, as you saw in Canada, um, they're allowing terminally ill patients to consume psilocybe mushrooms to help with end-of-life treatment, where it basically allows you to accept, you know, your fate, your, your, the end of your life. And a lot of people look at the end of life like it's this dark, gloomy thing. But if you really look at it, you know, especially when, when you consume mushrooms, it opens up your mind that there's so much more. The world's so much bigger than all of us, but we're all connected in so many ways. And it allows you to accept that the end is only the beginning to what's to come. And, you know, your energy, your spirit's infinite, you know, whatever that means to anyone as an individual, where psychedelics, especially from, from fungi, from, from psilocybin and psilocin, really allows you to tap into that, um, which, you know, we're essentially blind to um, until we're able to, uh, to try that experience and, uh, and open up our own eyes to what's potential. Yeah, I mean, that movie is absolutely amazing. And yeah, there, there is a, a, I think they had two patients that were, you know, um, dying and it was incredible. I mean, set setting, they guide you. And after they just had incredible stories about how they're not fearful anymore and how much it helped them out. So um, you know, that's a big thing. Uh, normally now in hospice, we're giving a lot of drugs you know, that they, they, people aren't um, conscious. Um, so, you know, I, I believe this and other, other natural medicines can, can really help in this, in this area because all of us, you know, death is feared. It, it, it is feared and it really shouldn't. We should be embracing that. That's another, that's another show. There's a lot of, you know, civilizations throughout society, throughout the you know, the course of time where, you know, death wasn't a, a time to mourn, it was a time to celebrate, you know, as to, you know, what that means. So, you know, let's really dive into that too heavily. But I think that, you know, if, if psilocybin is a way for people to expand their mind to, to allow them to accept death, and to be excited about it and be happy about it, which is, I know, weird to think about, but, you know, why not flip that switch and look at it in that different light? Apparently, you know, from, from just what we've seen already, it, it, it's definitely an incredible means, if you will, to, to allow that acceptance to happen is by that consumption of, of psilocybin. Once again, that's being done in Canada in a, in a therapeutic setting. Yeah, and they talk about dose and stuff like that. Um, but here's a uh, near and dear to my heart, right? So back in the day, uh, so how many, how much marijuana do you put in a pop brownie? Oh, an yeah. ounce. Oh, okay, great. An ounce of what, right? Is it an ounce of right. 10% THC? Is it, um, you know, did you put hash in there? So we have the same problem then with mushrooms, right? You, 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 you know, let's say a big dose is an eighth, three and a half grams, or just getting started is a gram, but you don't know about that. You have no idea how much psilocin is, is, is in there. So, um, you know, that, that, is, that is a big thing. So when they do this therapy, they use the synthetic form, don't they? The terminal end-of-life care, uh, they're actually consuming raw mushrooms, from oh. my understanding. Okay. Now, with that being said, they've done numerous studies out of John Hopkins, Imperial College of London, you know, through NYU, uh, and so forth, where they have been using synthetic single-molecule psilocybin 
but once again, there's pros and cons to that as we're trying to weigh them at Midasin to see if naturally derived uh, psilocybin versus single molecule synthetic is better or not, or if you know it's a neutral value. So we're trying to uncover that because we do believe, just like cannabis, that there's a true entourage effect found within uh, psychedelic mushrooms that when when paired, you know, with psilocybin or psilocin or these other tryptamines, even ones like I mentioned that are yet to be discovered uh, that we're trying to define and catalog and classify as we speak, you know, they all work together in certain ways. But but like cannabis and like fungi, the term that we like to use back at Ebu was chemical chaos found in Mother Nature. The thing with Mother Nature is that it produces different varying amounts of chemicals. And like a soundboard, you know, like a soundboard, you make one little tweak or one little adjustment, it, it changes the entire outcome. So if you're able to define that in the lab and take those com- chemicals that are naturally or active compounds that are naturally produced, you know, through fungi, and then, and then make sure that they are consistent in the consumption and, and dosage of, uh, of that, you know, of that product, whatever it is that's consumed through whatever delivery mechanism, you know, that it's consumed through, then that's where you really start to understand, you know, what turns it off, what turns it on, what's the half-life, you know, what's the experience going to be like, you know, how do you make that truly a therapeutic experience versus someone taking, you know, something one day, having an amazing experience and then trying it another day and having a terrible experience where they're throwing up, they have a bad trip, et cetera. So we're trying to figure out ways to alter that to make it easier for the general public um, through therapeutic settings. Once again, um, if they so choose to utilize this as, a, as their own form of medicine, uh, at least we give them the option uh, to make it an easier choice and to, uh, to not make it such a bad experience uh, if, if that happens. Well, in my, obviously, I think that whole plant medicine, whole plant fungi is going to be much better than your synthetic form. Um, but how are you testing mushrooms? Are you extracting out the psilocin and testing that? How, and what kind of instruments do you use? Yeah, so once again, our partnership with API um, is, is incredible. They have access to a Schedule 1 Health Canada dealer's license that took them 11 years to obtain, and that, that license is now shared through our partnership. So once again, we're able to legally uh, go after the cultivation uh, the processing, extraction, um, isolation, and uh, formulations, and even import/export of anything that we produce through that license, which is which is great. So yes, part of that you know process that we're legally able to do, as mentioned, is, is the extraction and processing, and R&D of these unique compounds. Understanding you know which species are producing which amounts of what of what active compounds, and then finding ways to ultimately tailor those are custom to those and then lock those formulations in to make them completely consistent across the board. Yeah, which includes testing, right? Um, which includes testing, yes. We have all the analytical equipment in-house. You know, at some point, third-party testing will be good to have as a backup to confirm the, uh, the results, but we have, we have all equipment uh, needed to perform these, these tests. So again, being in a CGMP environment, it's, it's very necessary to have those instruments in-house. Now, are there a lot of labs testing this? Not necessarily right now, because you have to have a Schedule One license, um, at least a partial license, or um, an addendum to your license. You know, if you have a DEA license in the U.S. or, or whatnot, to actually focus and study these compounds, where we have you know full access to everything. So it's uh, it, it doesn't allow for 
someone just open up shop and then start to research this. Similar to how we had it at Abu, where we had legal ability before the big pharmaceutical companies were able to jump in. It's a similar ability to what we have now. We have full legal ability to do the you know, tangible R&D on these types of uh, psychedelic mushroom species. And then from there, to, you know, ultimately decide and develop the IP and formulations around them. Uh, so that when the uh, industry opens up and, and compliance and regulations open up to these, um, such as, you know, Oregon uh, now allowing, you know, psilocybin uh, clinical treatments, you know, where they're going to be opening different clinics, they're going to need access to, you know, specific formulations versus just consuming the raw mushroom because the, uh, the vegetative matter or biomass matter when it's consumed, that's what causes a lot of the nausea and, or nausea or headaches or whatever you know, physical effect might happen. That's a negative side effect where once that's removed and we have a formulation designed for, you know, going after specifically, you know, whether it's uh, depression or anxiety or it's cluster headaches or uh, the, one of the big focuses we have here at Midasin is going after PTSD. Um, you know, th- those are all things that we're trying to help create specific uh, formulations for nature source designer medicine for, uh, for the specific indications. Okay, but let's talk about you have a DEA license. That doesn't mean that you can grow mushrooms and bring them into the lab, right? You have to, from what I understand, you have to pay like $3,000 for a small amount of synthetic psilocin. So right now, companies like Compass, Pathways, and USONA, which is a nonprofit, Compass is is a for-profit, but USONA is a nonprofit, um, where they've developed synthetic psilocybin. And the psilocybin that's been sold to research organizations like John Hopkins University and so forth, I mean, they've been charged anywhere from seven to $10,000 per gram for their, for their research. That's just because, you know, it's, it's hard to get and there's only, you know, a few people really producing that or companies producing that right now. Um, we know for a fact that producing synthetic psilocybin, it, I mean, it is expensive. Don't get me wrong. The equipment that it takes, you know, the, the personnel that it needs, you know, all the things that it needs to, to produce those grams, it's, it's challenging. It's not as easy as one might expect. But with that being said, with us being able to utilize naturally derived psilocybin and simply do an extract, it's going to be able to reduce the cost significantly uh, for for allowing further access uh, for whatever patient portal it's being designed for. Right. So if you, so, you know, Midasin exports the actual mushroom from, mushrooms from um, Jamaica, transports it to your CGMP Uh, lab, they extract it, they're doing studies, and they're creating uh, medicine. Um, So your studies are with the actual mushroom. It is not with the synthetic, or are you doing both? We have the ability to do both. Our main focus is naturally derived uh, extract from fruited body mushroom. So what's some of your next steps? Can you talk about them? Can you talk about maybe what you're looking at in the future? Um, you know, how long do you estimate this to get to other states? I know that cannabis um, has facilitated a lot of this, um, so I believe it'll go much faster. What do you think that landscape looks like? Next Steps is always exciting. You know, that's, that's you know, it wakes us up every day very early and allows us to, you know, stay awake very late at night, you know, working on this because we know it's going to turn into something great. I, I kind of look at it where, you know, we're, we're going through the jungles of Ecuador with like a couple of machetes trying to find the lost city of gold, right? So this is a brand new industry and we're a brand new company and no one really knows the perfect way to make this successful. But we've learned from past experiences through dynamic, you know, 
you know, endeavors that we've all been a part of, you know, as a, as a team that we have here uh, at Midasin to be able to, you know, do the best that we can with the tools that we have to, to find that success point a lot faster than if we just started from scratch. Once again, Midasin is, you know, it, we're, we are, you know, dedicated as a company, as, as we grow, you know, people need to really understand that we're an emerging biopharma and life sciences company, you know, really committed to the research development and acceptance of alternative nature source medicine, you know, for mainstream use. Reinforcing medicine's commitment to mental health solutions is really underpinned by, the, by our three main focuses, uh, which is our clinical trials focusing on veterans, EMS, and first responders with PTSD as an indication. Um, the R&D of building a robust portfolio of intellectual property around drug discovery and u- unique delivery mechanisms uh, for relevant use and patents uh, for future patent applications. And even, you know, accessing modern technology by utilizing our own digital health telehealth platform uh, for better clinical trial management, you know, so it's in, in overall health well-being. So it's, it's pretty exciting what we've evolved so far. So by utilizing that ecosystem that we've built, you know, the foundation of Midasin, you know, our goal is to, of course, expand on the clinical trial sites that we've that we've expanded to already uh, for psilocybin against PTSD. Um, so far, we have those sites, you know, on multiple points around the world, but we're going to be expanding those even farther uh, with, with, you know, universities and other constituents that uh, that have a good stronghold on those things. And then utilizing the MindLeap uh, app to help with, uh, you know, as a unique niche. MindLeap allows patients and clinicians to connect virtually, um, where it allows patients, especially with COVID, you know, it's just incredible timing uh, how it all worked out. But now that everyone's, you know, at home and on lockdown, you know, but you need to seek, you know, help for mental health care in general for your well-being, you know, because a lot of people just focus on their physical health care. You know, you want to go to the gym, you want to look good, you want to look sexy, you want to go out to the clubs or whatnot. But no one really takes the time to really focus on the fact that we need to care about our mental health care as well, which is which is even more important in a lot of ways. And so, you know, by utilizing an app like MindLeap, it allows, you know, people to be in the comfort of their living room, connect with a therapist that could be around the world, but could be specifically what their needs are based off their filter. And once they find that person, they're able to go through and utilize technology that comes from your phone to, you know, allow the therapist to see if you're staying up late at night, you know, you're doing this, doing the other and collect better data than if you're just sitting in a room with them, sitting on a couch and going through this, which ultimately allows the therapist and the patient to receive a better outcome. And finally, you know, built on, you know, an added value, which is the niche of psychedelic aftercare, because the physical, something to really understand is the physical uh, properties that happen, you know, during the consumption or experience of consuming uh, psychedelics you know, happens right away, but it's really weeks to months after that, that the true therapeutic values come into play. And that's where MindLeap really helps with that, um, where somebody can connect with a specialist to help, you know, with what they're going through, whether it's depression, whether it's, you know, dealing with anxiety, whether it's dealing with PTSD or whatever else it might be, they now have a virtual app to, to go and log into to uh, help them overcome those, those issues that they might be facing. Yeah, so it looks like, and I encourage people to go to your website, and there's basically three parts to your portfolio, and that is the natural health products, like you said, um, with and without uh, psychedelics or, or psilocybin. Then you're also doing a lot of research and development, obviously, to support those products and create new products. And then your digital health solutions, which is, is what you were talking about. Um, which uh, is amazing. I don't even think there is one, and that's called Mind Leap, correct? Mind Leap. Yep. Mind, Mind Leap Health. Mind Leap is one word. Mind Leap Health is the company, and, and the app is available today. Uh, we, we launched it 
um, back on September 30th, and it's available for uh, both Android and iOS or Apple. Wow, okay. Very good. So, well, that I, I have learned a ton, and I, I am just, you know, putting my toe in the water, too. I'm, I've been fascinated by psychedelics, of course, for a long time, and, and then started to see that cannabis is really opening up people's minds to understand that the government has lied to us and they have taken away some absolutely amazing medicine that has been around for centuries. And we hope to get it, uh, you know, mainstream wellness, uh, that if you so choose, um, you know, this, this, this type of medicine that you're able to get it. And that's, you know, where I stood for cannabis, we need to end prohibition. So patients have easy access. Is there anything else that I, that I missed that you may want to talk about? I think we covered a lot of really great bases here today. I, I hope, you know, the core hope of, of what we've discussed, I really hope it allows people to open up their eyes to realize that psychedelics are not bad. You know, we, we have been subjected to corporate uh, suppression, if you will, because of all the vastness things that these natural uh, therapeutic uh, compounds can really do and achieve if they're done in the right setting. And so we're, we're just helping bring, you know, shed light on that and bring it to life uh, with our capabilities now with Midasin, um, as we once done before with cannabis. And I'm excited to see where this goes, Jennifer. I'd love to pick up the discussion as we evolve further and uh, dive into further questions and, and a deeper dive for what we're you know, going to be accomplishing here over the next few years. A hundred percent. I did come up with one more question. How's the stigma? Sure. That's a great question. So the stigma behind uh, cannabis, let alone psychedelics, has always been, you know, trumped by lore and just just falsified information that that you know it's it's bad. You know, cannabis is reefer madness with psychedelics. It's you're going to have a freak out moment and you're going to, you know, do something terrible. You know, jump off a building or whatnot. Where a lot of that's pretty false. You know, even if you look into and go on Google and research. You know, people that have even had bad experiences with psychedelics after the overall experience was over, the bad trip was over, that it still helped them heal. Ultimately, it still, it still was a good thing. It was a positive thing that, that would allow them to overcome whatever they were dealing with. And so it's quite fascinating, you know, in just, in just the uh, studies that have been performed, you know, in 87, over an 87% success rate, I mean, proves in these clinical settings that this is, you know, a valid, safe and effective medicine for, for all to use. I mean, we're... Uh, there's nothing really that that's that's negative. You can't you can't you can't overdose with THC and die from that. We're finding with psilocybin and psilocin the same thing. Although if you do overconsume, you could go into a temporary permanent psychosis, which we're going to help prevent. <laughs> but uh, still, it's, it's it's something that's radical that that we're here to make sure that it's done properly, and we're once again paving the pathway so that you know that we help remove that stigma and lore and make this the mainstream accepted use of uh, of the new age and revolution of medicine that's yet to come. Yeah, I mean, I'm hoping as these future generations, Gen Z, come along that, you know, these medicines will be normal. Um, mm -hmm. You know, they will understand them. Uh, I do know, or I, I had heard that the younger generations aren't drinking as much alcohol. Um, mm -hmm. They're really watching, you know, what what is bad for the body, what is good, um, and those kind of things. So, yeah, cannabis stigma is still alive, and I can't even imagine about mushrooms, but I've posted a couple of times on LinkedIn, and, you know, there seems to be a lot of people on LinkedIn that are, that are interested and, and, and understanding um, that probably wouldn't have without 
all of this stuff that has happened with cannabis. So, yeah. It helps. It helps heal. You know, with cannabis, I look at it where cannabis helps with overall homeostasis, just keeps the body maintained where, you know, and that's, that's a potential regular thing for a lot of people where, you know, psychedelics are, you know, consuming uh, magic mushrooms, for instance, you know, or psilocybin and psilocin. I think it helps with overall re rejuvenation of your body and mind, specifically your mind, where it helps reset a lot of the negative things that are suppressing, you know, whatever you're dealing with. And it just allows you to reset and, you know, just be uh, super excited and, and happy uh, once again and, and remember, you know, what that life is worth living. Now, how can somebody get a hold of you besides a website? Sure. I mean, the, the website's great. Um, or just emailing, um, uh, sending an email to us at uh, contact at midasininc.com. Is, okay. is the best email address for general inquiries. Okay, great. Oh, well, this has been such a pleasure, and you bet I will have you back, um, you know, to see how you guys are doing and what cool things you're doing, and I really appreciate you coming on today, and good luck. Can't thank you uh, enough either, Jennifer, and, and everyone uh, for your support, and, and yeah, we'll, uh, we'll talk soon. I, I'm looking forward to it. Stay safe, and thank you very much. I appreciate it. This is great, Jennifer. Yeah, I'll, we'll talk soon. I don't...